The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So the people asked him, What shall we do then? He answered and said to them, He who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. The tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, And what shall we do? So he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely, and be content with your wages. Now as the people were in expectation, and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor, and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And with many other exhortations he preached to the people, but Herod, the patriarch, being rebuked by him, concerning Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, also added this above all, that he shut John up in prison. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. It's a good thing I number my little pages, isn't it? I do that for just such an occasion as that. The last time we were together, which seems like a long time ago, we were introduced to John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus who was sent 
to prepare the way, who the Old Testament prophets talked about. And in St. Luke, whose gospel I just read from, he quoted Isaiah saying, And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. Those were, those were incredible and mighty words. And today we go down to the river. So when we first met John the Baptist, he was, he was a wilderness guy. And, and today we meet John the Baptist down at the river. And the scripture tells us that multitudes showed up. Not just one or two curious people, not three or four, not seven or eight, not a dozen, but multitudes of people showed up. And I find that fascinating, quite frankly. We don't really understand why they showed up. Uh, the, the direction for them to show up was 300 years old at this point, uh, but they do. So the Spirit is moving in some way, or something is happening that has drawn people out to the river that day to, to meet this rather unusual man, John the Baptist, who, who dressed funny and he ate funny things and, and was not exactly the, the typical sort of messenger that we would expect. And so they show up, and, and he shouts at them. He doesn't give them a warm, hearty welcome like I gave you this morning. He, he shouts at them, and, and he tells them that what they're supposed to be doing is bearing fruit. Um, now, you might remember, if you've been here a while, that we spent a long time back in September talking about the idea of bearing fruit when we did a five-part series on creation. And Luke records John's words. He says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and it's thrown into the fire. So the people, they say, what should we do then? What is it? Tell us. And, and he says, if you have food, if you have clothing, you should share those things with those who do not have them. So before we get to the manger, before we get to Bethlehem, before we get to the tiny baby who came to, to save the world, we have this. We have this proclamation being made to you and to me to the whole world, before the Savior. John the Baptist is saying, if you really want to get it, if you really want to receive the Savior into the world, if you really want to, to, to become God's people, then you have to bear fruit. And the way you bear fruit is by sharing what you have. Well, today we welcome Major Art Foltz uh, here he is with the Bristol Salvation Army. He is the equivalent of the senior pastor there. Tell me again your exact title. Well, it's actually Corps Officer, C-O-R-P-S, Chief Officer, right? C-O-R-E, the Corps Officer. And, yeah, senior pastor is probably about the best uh, um, counterpart to draw to that title. And as I told you, that and five cents get you a cup of coffee, but not at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do get a neat outfit, yeah. you know, yeah, at yeah, least. Yeah, I, I like that. That's good. Well, let's start here. Um, many people have seen the Salvation Army, right? Uh, they, they've seen your, your kettles. They've seen your signs. They know what you are, they think. But I'll bet you a lot of people don't know that you're actually a church. Tell us about that. Well, as a matter of fact, now I'm teaching 
Bible class about you know, I don't know, 45 minutes prior to my uh, hopping in the car and, and coming out here. And uh, yeah, my congregation is at worship uh, at this very hour, where we're located down the State Street at about uh, Martin Luther King. And um, so that indeed is uh, a thing that uh, people, people do not um, broadly know about the Salvation Army is that uh, it, it, is a, it is a church. And so uh, we worship on Sundays and um, I conduct funerals and weddings and baby dedications and uh, probably uh, some of the things that you do. So John the Baptist, John the Baptist is telling us that we have to do something. I always like to tell people that two-thirds of the word God is go. I like that. Two-thirds of the word God is go. So we, gotta, we have to do something. Uh, James in the New Testament tells us that faith without works is dead, right? Um, what, what is it that we would be surprised about locally? Those of us who who go home to our warm homes and, and are relatively well-fed people and that sort of thing, you're, you're in the trenches. Tell us, what would we be surprised to learn about our little city of, of Bristol, Virginia, and Tennessee here? What, what is it that we don't see? Well, among the things uh, would be, and, and you're know, talking about assumptions and appearances, um, there perhaps is the um, misconception that uh, the down and out um, are people who deserve to be there, they are chronically there, and they deserve to be there, and you know, perhaps some of those things are true. But the thing that would be interesting to find out is that uh, there are, uh, quite often we see the, the first time homeless, the first time unemployed, and um, you know, let's face it, who, how many among us, uh, having missed one paycheck, would be in some dire, dire straits? So um, lately I just feel, feel called to disturb the myth that um, uh, the homeless, the down and out, the downtrodden, the, the poor are people who've always been that way and deserve to be that way and will always be that way, and that ain't necessarily so. And so it is a, it is a ministry of hope. You told me on the phone the other day that you are uh, you're a few generations in. Uh, to this movement, uh, how many? Was it? Are you third generation? Yeah, my wife and I are both uh, third generation. So I I grew up in it, and my wife's parents are, are also officers. Of course, they're, they're now retired. So it seemed kind of a natural for us, and uh, so the outsider might uh, observe and say, "Well, of course you're there. You had to be. It was meant for you to be." Well, no, not necessarily. We had our opportunity to go elsewhere, and when. The choice came as to avocation and answering calling and all of that. Uh, Lord opened doors, and so here we are, and the rest, as they say, is history. I think yours is a, is a special and unique calling. I, I wonder who some of your heroes in the faith are. As, as you look back, and of course we could be talking about biblical heroes of the faith, or we could be talking about people within the Salvation Army movement or beyond, but, but who has inspired you? Well, it would be... Uh, People, uh, people outside our movement, and certainly, yeah, there are those in our ranks to whom I, um, I look as uh, look to as, as heroes. But um, and, and sadly, uh, quite often the people we hold up as heroes are people who are no longer uh, among us, and uh, we learn more about their story when they go on to their reward. So, people like uh, oh, 
you know, Mother Teresa comes to mind. Uh, just absolutely, you talk about being in the trenches, and here's an individual who didn't even wear shoes, for Pete's sake. And so, um, yeah, there's, there's her, there, there are um, professional athletes who, um, you know, despite for all of their abilities, for all of their earning potential, uh, and we don't hear much about uh, their story and, and uh, uh, the, the sacrifice and the, the things that really energize them, and it's not their career. Uh, that, that speaks to me, and so it's really at the heart of, of um, who we are. So uh, we're a small congregation. Uh, on, a, on a good Sunday, we might have 35 people here. On a really, really, really good, extraordinary Sunday, we might break 40. Uh, but God has, has been equipping us to do some larger things over the past few months. So, so after the, the hurricane uh, that, that hit the Carolinas, this little group of people helped collect enough stuff uh, for over 800 uh, hygiene kits uh, to be shipped to, to both North Carolina and to Florida. And that's pretty extraordinary. So we've seen, we've seen God using the willing to multiply uh, in, in a number of different ways. You know, our, our little group here today is representative, representative of tens of thousands of people that see us every week on, on TV. So, so one of the things we're learning together as a congregation is that when, every time we take a step toward God, he, he seems to multiply the effort. It's Absolutely. faith is the engine that that makes it all all work, uh, even when we don't see it. You know, we'll, we're never going to see those people that we ship those hygiene kits to, but we know that they're there. We don't really see the whites of the eyes of the people that see us on TV, but we know that they're there. That's actually something that stretches our faith because we we'd like to see it, but we don't get to see it, uh, and that's that's one of the things that God I think is is teaching us. But when we did that, so when we we were collecting things for these uh, hygiene kits. We went out to retail stores, and we stood in front of those stores, and we asked people to donate. Believe it or not, and that might ring a bell with you. Uh-huh. No pun intended. Very good. Yeah. I was going there. I was going yeah. there. So, so the little red kettles. You know, uh, there's a young man uh, who's part of this congregation who's uh, 20 or so, and he and I were at the Walmart. Uh, just next door to us. And the thing that struck him so much on that Sunday morning, we canceled our services, we went out to do this. The thing that struck him so much was who gave. And he stood there right beside me. He said, okay, this person's going to give. They're dressed in a suit. They just came from church or whatever. They're going to give to these people. And they didn't. And and it was it was the people who looked like they'd just been dragged out of bed, you know, by a herd of cats uh, who... They're the ones... <laughs> Who, who came in that, that contributed, and that really affected him. It really, it really struck him. Uh, who we think will be inspired to give to the least of these isn't always who is inspired to give to the least of these. And your church, of course, is on the front lines of that. If every church, if every church cared about poor people the way your church cares about poor people, there'd be a lot fewer poor people in the world. Uh, probably. So let's start at the red kettle, though. Uh, I read stories online of the things that have been collected in these kettles over the years. Everything from, and everything has a story. Yeah. So rare, rare coins that were worth a bunch of money, uh, wedding rings uh, have been in there, all sorts of things. What are some of the stories? Take us into that kettle. Before we move beyond the kettle, take us into that kettle. What are some of the 
the stories of some of the more unique things that have made its way into that kettles beyond dollar bills and, and quarters? Well, there are, there are one or more individuals across the country, very affluent, who um, make a practice during the season of dropping uh, gold Krugerrands in the kettles in random locations. And um, we received word from a family of ours in the West who were the recipients of a couple of those coins, as a matter of fact, and it is entirely random where they show up. And so this individual uh, obviously derives a great deal of uh, joy uh, and uh, fulfillment in those random uh, gifts across, literally across the country. But uh, you mentioned wedding rings. Now, uh, our assignment previous to this, and of course, uh, my wife and I have been in our present ministry longer than you have been here, so I have one up on somebody. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so we were in, uh, we were in uh, Dalton, Georgia, um, carpet capital of the world. And uh, each evening, as is the routine, we empty the kettle, store the contents, and prepare a deposit the next day. So in emptying the kettle, then, there is this diamond ring that falls out among the coins, and, and we're thinking, oh, surely this is a mistake. Now, mind you, there had not been the routine phone call, as there is often in a case like that. I mistakenly dropped a piece of jewelry in the kettle. If you would please look for it and put it aside for me. Not so with this one. It, actually, it had, as a matter of fact, a note attached to it. And it was from a couple that um, they weren't breaking up. They just said that in recognizing the tremendous value in that ring, they thought surely there was someone that could use that value more than they needed it. And so they dropped it in the kettle and they put the note on it. And it was, in fact, a diamond uh, solitaire that we had um, appraised and uh, auctioned later. And uh, that brought like $5,000 on that occasion. So there's that and just the neat story that was uh, 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 attached to that. And I thought it was interesting that rather than um, selling the ring themselves and bringing the proceeds, they decided instead to uh, drop it in the kettle uh, for the effect that that would bring, and it, it did indeed. So, um, you know, there are the uh, guitar picks, you know, lots, a lot of guitar picks, you know, those of us who are, and I'm not a guitarist, but if you're carrying them around in your pocket, they're probably going to find their way in a, into a kettle. Uh, you know, pop tops from uh, soda cans inadvertently get dumped in there, and... Um, uh, there, are, there are my counterparts who keep collections of those things just for conversation pieces in years to come. Uh, I haven't been moved to do that, but it is interesting, yeah, to see the things that are dropped in there. And, yeah, there are stories attached to them. So John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Here in Bristol where you're, you're currently planted. How do you see the Spirit moving in your ministry right now? There is, uh, there is a growing awareness of the, the plight of the homeless, and um, it is gratifying to see that. Um, most of it is positive. Let me just say that. Not all, but most of it is positive. And um, being the relatively compact community that we are, and we are not the population of, say, Knoxville or, or Nashville, where the, um, the volume of homeless and, and uh, destitute is certainly much more graphic, more, more visible. 
but this is a this is a giving community. You know, we might have a state uh, border running right up the middle of our, our state street, but um, uh, the community is united, and uh, we, without regard to the denominations that we serve. Um, uh, from where I sit, I see uh, a growing consciousness of the plight of the homeless. And, uh, you know, it is indeed true what uh, we're told in the Word, that the poor you will have with you always. Uh, But it is heartening to see that um, uh, there are um, numbers of people in myriad denominations who um, adopt the, the, the cause of the homeless and how can we be of practical assistance. And so um, uh, it, it is um, uh, testament to that once again when I hear the things that your congregation is about, and I um, certainly commend you for that. As we look at these candles here today, candles have a wonderful, rich history, of course, in worship. Uh, Jesus is the light of the world, but the Bible also says that we are the light of the world, right? We're to let our light shine before men. We're, we're, I, I always seen it as being giant reflectors, right? So, so the light of God, and, and we as Christians, we're giant reflectors of that light uh, back out into the world. Um, one of the things I've noticed about homeless people in this community, in contrast to when I grew up, so I, I grew up here, went away for many years, been back a few years, but uh, I don't remember ever seeing so many homeless people standing on street corners at intersections, in parking lots, and, and, and things like that, uh, as, as we do today in, in this community of, what, 17,000 people or, or something like that. Now, you, you can't really go to Walmart or to the Food City parking lot or, or even, you know, the exit ramp at Exit 7 or something like that without encountering somebody with a sign at, at, at some... And, and I think that just laying it out there, I think a lot of us approach that sort of thing with a great deal of skepticism. Uh, you know, we, somebody is holding up a sign and they say, need food, or, or whatever it, it says. And uh, even as Christians, I think our, our first reaction is, is usually coming from a place of skepticism and not compassion. Uh, how do you counsel people Given your, how do you counsel people to to deal with that in a, in a, in a practical way? I'm wondering. There certainly is cause for the the, the skepticism and for um, every story we'll have of the individual with the uh, the signs, and they seem to be uniform. The little cardboard sign with the oversized um, magic marker to I'm homeless. I'm a veteran. Whatever. And um, the skepticism grows, of course, and we see this individual at location A and then they're at location B and C. And um, uh, so let me just say that uh, uh, we, would, we would prefer and we would choose to err on the side of um, compassion. At the same time, when it comes to uh, rendering the couple of bucks here, nickel, dime, whatever it is, um, you know, it is the, 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 the practical drive of our ministry instead to provide the, uh, the warm meal, the, the uh, new set of clothes, the good night's sleep, um, as opposed to you know, the financial assistance. And we do plenty of that. 
and so uh, uh, addressing the actual need. Now, uh, there are the opportunists, and uh, there is a, a lucrative co a cottage industry if one were uh, d disposed to, to do that. And it's interesting to hear you mention the, the places, and those are, in fact, the places where we would see folks um, engage in that kind of um, solicitation. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a difficult thing, and uh, it is very easy for us to become jaded and, and hard-hearted. Um, but I guess to, to come full circle back to, the, I guess my pr principal answer would be to err on the side of compassion, and then God ultimately sorts that out. I think so, too. I think uh, I've been with people before, and they've seen me giving money to, to one of these people, and they've lectured me about it and that sort of stuff. And I said, well, I think it's really about the giving than, than the receiving. We look at it from the receiving and standpoint. And for you as for that individual. Recently, I was in the Food City parking lot, though. I was on my way to the Dollar Tree. Uh, I don't remember why, but I had to get something at the Dollar Tree. So I went up there, and this fellow was holding a sign, and, and uh, I gave him $5. And I, I chatted with him, and I invited him to church and that sort of stuff. And he said, oh, I have a home. I've got a nice house. It's right over there. I just had a fight with my girlfriend. Uh. <laughs> And I laughed. I thought it was funny. He was very honest with me, uh, and he kept my five dollars. But, but, uh, <laughs> but that was his story, you know. And and so we never know. Uh, we're we're in the business of planting seeds. Let's talk about your retail uh, operation. Of course, the, the the most visible thing you probably do every year to most of us is are the red kettles uh, out there. Um, and it's a really an extraordinary thing that a church. The Salvation Army Church is allowed to go out into the world in shopping malls and retail centers and that sort of thing for weeks on end, collecting money to do the work of Jesus. Have you ever stopped to think about how extraordinary that is? That a church is able to go out in secular society, collect money to do the work of Jesus. Now we have... We all remember the story Target a few years ago, uh, and, and these sorts of things uh, bubble up from time to time. What's the landscape look like? Is it getting more difficult every year for you to go? I mean, we're in a society now where people are instructed not to say Merry Christmas in stores. Uh, you know, Starbucks strips down their, their holiday cups to something more generic or whatever. That's the society we're in, but yet they're still allowing you, a church, to go stand out in front and collect money to do the work of Jesus, which is extraordinary. What do you think? Well, um, there, there certainly is a very practical side of, of our ministry. And, and uh, of course, we use that word ministry internally. The, it's not a word that the community is uh, all that knowledgeable or they warm up to. Um, and, and so uh, it is broadly known that... Um, the nickels, dimes, quarters that go into the kettles. Are, and, and I was going to, um, I had the thought for our Bellringer crew to just place five or six kettles there in, in front of us and, and, and to just very graphically suggest this kettle today will generate the income to keep the lights on in the shelter tomorrow. This kettle will help us buy the supplies for the uh, soup kitchen tomorrow. This kettle will provide clothing vouchers for two families when they come in. This kettle will be the lodging for a homeless mother and her children for two nights. And to make graphic the end use of the uh, filthy currency that's going in those, those buckets, 
and what it will what it'll be used for. And so it's the practical side of the um, getting work done and um, frontline services to people that um, merchants see when we come to them each year. And yeah, it's becoming um, increasingly a challenge and there are um, growing numbers of merchants for some very good reasons and we appreciate their partnering in years gone by. But for some very good reasons, um, say to us, uh, Salvation Army, uh, we've had this wonderful partnership over the years, but uh, we um, really need to find some other way to partner with you uh, because I, understandably there are other organizations coming to them that um, want that same opportunity and rather than have to pick and choose, they uh, just alter their solicitation policy altogether. So organizations like the Girl Scouts, and I hope you buy your cookies because I certainly do, and uh, I say to them when I come and get, get my thin, thin mints, those are the best, the thin mints, and um, uh, okay, I'm going to buy these cookies now. When I'm out here in December, you remember when I'm out in the cold. Uh, so uh, it's, a, it's a changing landscape, and by the way, the you know, technology has hit that um, uh, fundraising as well, uh, and not necessarily in this market yet, but go to Atlanta and Chicago, and they've got the card scanners. There's an app for that too, right? Yeah, there is. <laughs> You know, one of the things that, that strikes me is that, uh, so I was at Walmart last night. Uh, I left here, I went over to Walmart, and uh, when we were there collecting for hurricane relief, I, I met so many of the employees at the store because uh, I was there, and they were, they were coming in and going out. There's a young man who's, who's the buggy guy, and his job is to, to go collect all the carts, and he, he drives this little vehicle, and he gets them, gets them up or whatever. I watched him do that for eight or nine hours that day, and, and I would strike up a conversation with him. I saw him last night, as a matter of fact, and so um, every time I've gone back to Walmart since then, we, and I see this kid, I, I, he's a, a college student at ETSU, we, we continue to have a, a conversation about Jesus. Um, so you're, you're there bearing witness. You're not just there collecting money, but, but my guess is you're also there spreading light to the people that are working there who are, who are coming past you. Not, I'll bet you every once in a while there's a conversation probably with somebody who works at that store. Yeah, and um, you know it's no secret. We make it no secret that uh, in addition to volunteer um, bell ringers, we have a, a crew of uh, paid staff and uh, those, there are some individuals who have, a, you know, it's a brief opportunity through the year they have to uh, earn income. So we, we do provide that as well. Um, it is um, interesting from year to year when we have our orientation and planning to launch the season, our bell ringers will ask us, and uh, this question will come, is it all right to say Merry Christmas? Is it all right to say God bless you? And I must tell them, absolutely it is. Now, we don't screen um, individuals who, who ring the bell. You know, What's your Christian witness? Uh, do you love the Lord? Are you saved, brother? We don't ask any of those questions. Really? <laughs> but it happens that we have uh, plenty of folks, and uh, Nancy and Eric are among them for, for whom we're thankful that have a, have a Christian witness. And, um, the, and I said to them the other day, the donations that they'll drop in those, those kettles, uh, for some of them, it's, it's kind of knee-jerk. They just, it's expected. It's the thing you do when you go to Walmart in this season. My wife and I don't dare go shopping without you know, some pocket change or some money that we can drop in the kettles. 
Um, but there are folks f uh, for whom um, there is a lot of sentiment um, attached to that. And uh, uh, our bell ringers will bear witness to the fact that some, sometimes folks will come by and uh, whether or not we've got time to hear the story, uh, they will let them know that I remember back when, and often it's the, you mentioned time of disaster, often it is a hurricane or a tornado where they receive some kind of practical um, uh, assistance and uh, they will make that donation in honor or in memory of that. And it's clear that there's a lot of, um, uh, lot of um, emotion attached to that. So give me a recommendation then for, for our congregation. I think one of the areas that we've been deficient in is mission. Uh, practical, sir. We, things come up, we participate in them. Uh, I, I think one of the things that, that your red kettle speaks to me about is, is the great value of the force multiplier. So we're part of a denomination. Today is the day of the annual Advent offering. Our offerings in comparison to bigger churches are always small. Uh, I'm actually on my way to Maryland up to the denomination's mission center. You know, we're going to see all this, what happens to it, you know, and, when, and how all this stuff is deployed out into the world. But but, you know, our 70 or $80 uh, that we send, you know, multiplied by, by all these congregations does pretty extraordinary things. And, and in your case, of course, the dollar bill, the quarter, the, the penny, the, the guitar pick, whatever, it all comes together and, and it, you know, it works together for good. And, and that is what the body of Christ is. That is the church. That is capital C church. How one body, many parts, and we come together and we do something, but I'm wondering, what is your word for us today about how we can better be the hands and feet of Christ in this city? Well, it, it is to um, continue being intentional about the practical kinds of things that you're doing. Not, not I hear the, uh, the humility or the uh, apology that our offering monetarily may not be what it is in other churches, but that's, that's not at all important. Um, uh, as much as the step of faith that you take to um, give sacrificially, certainly the time to have uh, solicited for the, the, the hygiene kits, um, you know, something as practical as, um, and this happens over a great space of time, you know, set up that bin, a cardboard box where you begin to collect um, um, canned goods, non-perishable items that, uh, it doesn't have to be for the Salvation Army, I mean, we, we have, don't have the corner on, on food pantries. And so, you know, plenty of families who don't know from one day to the next, you know, what the meal's going to be. So uh, something as practical as, um, you know, sharing in someone's uh, food bank uh, to do that. Or something as fun as uh, uh, calling up the bald fat major down at the Salvation Army someday and say, uh, I want to be on a disaster team. Next time there's a hurricane, I want an all-expenses-paid trip to Mississippi. Boy, would we like to train you to go and, and uh, help us uh, serve uh, people in a disaster zone for 10 days at a time. So that the, the, the range is just absolutely, you know, uh, it boggles your mind, the things it can do. But the, the very practical and um, uh, intentional um, service and um, practical means of, of helping our neighbors is a thing that I could not encourage you more for. And certainly the Salvation Army wants to be the recipient of that, but uh, uh, I see that your focus is on target, and God's going to honor that. I suspect your Christmas does not look like my Christmas. Uh, I, I suspect that your Christmas is very different, actually, than, than the way most of us celebrate Christmas. Last question for you today. Tell me about the best Christmas you ever had. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I don't have to think twice about that. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I grew up in a housing project just east of St. Louis. I come from a family of, uh, of four other uh, siblings. Um, father fell on tough times in his health, and I'm just grateful that uh, my mom and dad were uh, together for the entirety of their marriage till he passed on. But I remember that year, you know, having been uh, employed in my junior or senior year of high school, what happened for my siblings that year was the result of the, my earnings from the, uh, an evening job that I had. Uh, I got nothing, uh, and, and so uh, ironically that was nonetheless the Christmas I remember uh, most. Now, certainly there have been uh, very memorable, and every Christmas is different now in, in our, our ministry. And just seeing the, and the only word that comes to mind is absolute miracle, and there are miracles. You understand there will be people under our roof down there at the Salvation Army on Christmas morning. Imagine waking up in a homeless shelter on Christmas morning. Uh, Diane and I will be down there that day, and um, we uh, will serve a, a wonderful um, holiday meal and with the help of some volunteers who got up Christmas morning, opened their presents, and they come down to the Salvation Army. And so um, we're going to flip that page on the calendar, but it doesn't mean that Christmas disappeared for a homeless person. So, um, and it, that's not to, you know, pound my chest or put a feather in my head. It just is what it is. And, you know, thank you, God, that we have that opportunity. Thank you for being with us thank today. You. And thank you for the work that you do. So in thankfulness to God, we're going to have our final song. And uh, we invite our band members to come back up.